morning and welcome to the latest in the Alliance Technology Trust podcast series. Today, we welcome Mike Seidenberg, one of the team that manages the trust based in San Francisco. Hi, Mike. Hi, nice to be with you again. Also with us today is Richard Holway, a non-executive director on the trust and technology specialist. Welcome. Good morning. Um, Richard, if I could turn to you first. Um, you're a have a history as a well-known technology analyst in the UK industry, um, but you're perhaps less well-known as in your role as a non-exec director. Um, could you talk a bit about the experience you bring to the board? Sure. Well, I keep getting referred to by the Financial Times as the wise grey owl. In fact, that's my <laughs> Twitter handle. Um, and I joined in January 2007. And in fact, one of my first jobs on the board was to uh, select the new fund manager, which was Walter and his team over in um, San Francisco. Um, and indeed, it was a very interesting time to join any board because it was right at the start of the financial collapse, if you remember, yes. with Lehman Brothers in 2008. It was also a very pivotal year, I think, for the industry. It's quite amazing to look back that when I joined the board, there was no iPhone. Um, Facebook had actually only just been introduced in the UK, where its leader was things like MySpace and Bebo. And um, Amazon had just um, launched the Kindle and were largely known for buying and selling books, not for everything else that they're known for today. So you can see what a dramatic change there's been over that period. I've also been a great believer in the fact that um, all directors, whatever they are, should have skin in the game. And one of the very first things I did back in January 2007 was to buy a slug of shares, um, quite a reasonable amount at that stage, not a large amount. But I was looking at it last night. And since that time, I bought them in January 2007. They've gone up by 510 percent. In other words, they're ah. worth six times more than at, um, uh, than at, that, uh, at that time. So I'm the only member of the board with direct tech experience, all my yeah. other non-executive directors have um, uh, investment trust experience and clearly that is and has, has been my role on the board. And do you feed that market knowledge into Walter and Mike and, and the team there? Indeed, on a very regular basis. Sometimes right. they invite the advice. Sometimes I give it without invitation. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but but I think we've had um, a, a robust and actually I think a very, very respectful um, uh, relationship over that whole period. And I have great respect for that uh, for that team. And I, mm. I love it when we have our um, discussions on the direction of tech. OK, lovely. Um, moving on to the tech market itself now. Mike, you're sitting in the heart of Silicon Valley, and so you're kind of at the beating heart of the technology sector. Um, can we talk a little bit about what you're picking up in, in terms of the market mood at the moment? It's clearly been a um, slightly volatile time for technology. So, I mean, what, what caused the initial sell-off um, at the sort of back end of last year? I think there was a confluence of a number of things. Um, you know, 18 started off very strong with in, with very robust IT spending. Um, stocks responded accordingly. Companies were doing a nice job executing beating numbers. I think as we got towards the back half or the third, you know, third fourth quarter, people started to really be concerned um, just about, you know, what does 19 look like? Um, you know, China obviously is something that's a wild card. Um, uh, and the net result was a, a high degree of volatility in Q4. If I take a step back and just think about our portfolio and how we're positioned, um, the, the, the themes that we are focused on 
are not, you know, one year themes. These are multi-year themes. And, um, you know, if I think about what companies need to do in order to be competitive in today's environment, many of the names that we own in the portfolio are enablers and key ingredients of that future. So even with the volatility, um, you know, we remain convicted in the names that, you know, that we have owned. Um, and uh, hopefully I think that, you know, I'm by no means an economist, um, but hopefully we'll see some resolution around some of the challenges, especially, you know, things like China. Yeah. And I mean, did the, um, did the problems hit all um Technology stocks equally, or with their notable? I mean, there were definitely that were so there are definitely or? so re- resilience is relative. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it was not. A, you know, if I think about uh, the my experience, my my experience in Q4 was not a particularly fun time mm. uh, to be uh, to, to to do my day job. Having said that, um, you know, uh, if you take a look at things like semiconductors that were hit at the margin much worse than things like uh, SaaS based software. Um, there was some relative, you know, there, there were there were differences in performances of of the sub subsectors, and conversely, you know, as people kind of started thinking again about the future and kind of what needed to happen, you saw certain sectors bounce back, um, and you know, we're we're pretty late into the Q four reporting season, um, and thus far, the results have been uh, solid for the names that you know we we are focused on, Richard. Um... <laughs> I don't know how to say this politely, but you've obviously seen a few technology <laughs> cycles. Um, how would that was you, polite? Yeah. That was right. Um, how how does this compare to previous cycles? I mean, do you feel like technology is more established today, possibly less cyclical? I think there's a lot of misunderstandings about it because um, prior to the year um, two thousand, um, almost whatever you invested in tech was going to grow. You know, we, we had a growth rate, it's, believe it or not, in the UK for tech in, in 1998 when everyone was getting ready for Y2K of over 20%. Since the year um, uh, 2000, the growth rate in the UK has been roughly around GDP. And by the way, if you look at any of the studies for the US, for around the world, then we're talking about 1%, 2 or 3% in total um, for uh, technology, technology spend. And that's the reason why Mike and his team become even more important because you can't just invest in tech because if you invest in tech, you're going to get no return at all. What you've got to do is to invest in the bits of tech that are actually growing and you've got to get rid of the bits of tech which, as we've well seen, have actually declined. Yeah. Um, I mean, did you adjust the trust at all? Sure. I Um, mean, you know, being active managers, we did adjust the trust uh, accordingly. But I I, I think that the thing, the, the most important factor is the names that, to Richard's point, we try to figure out where the dollars are going to from an IT budget perspective. And, um, you know, if I think about something like digital transformation, and that's just a fancy way of, you know, legacy companies being competitive against up and comers, and that is a big, big driver of businesses today, you you know, it's it's a little bit akin to if you were to replace the plumbing in your house, that requires you to pull down walls, reinstall drywall, plumbing or uh, lumber, etc. That is a multi-year transition and names we own are multi-year names around stuff like that and you know, I think even in a tougher IT spending environment, 
the enablers of 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 digital transformation will still garner the investment dollars, and hence the company should grow well. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps I can just add that I mean, one of the clear trends over the last period has been the move to cloud computing. Now, um, with all the results that came out last week, we added up what the total market for cloud computing was at the moment. And we couldn't get it to much more than about 80 billion. All right. That's out of a total IT worldwide spend of 3.4 trillion. So the point is that you really do have to know your subject, know where yep. the market growth is, is, is going to be rather than the totality. And I just think on that, because that's a great segue for me, I think on cloud computing, you know, there are two things happening there. One is just the ability to be nimble uh, because you have large competitors um, in traditional industries like retail, like financial services that do that are built on the cloud and do have a digital mindset. And for legacy companies to respond to that competitive threat, you have to redo your infrastructure. It's not it's not an option. Um, and we also have a scenario in the United States where a lot of the legacy technology, I mean, I'm old enough that I remember Cobalt, but you know, there are lots of legacy code, lots of legacy code base where you can't find people in order to kind of you do what you need to do that like no young developer wants to learn cobalt they it's just it's not the future it's the past i wonder if we could look ahead to 2019 i mean you've talked a bit about the digital transformation there um <laughs> But I wonder if we could look macro and just talk, you know, what's the likely direction for U.S. and global growth? How's that likely to affect technology spending? Are you concerned about China? Well, the answer is yes, I'm concerned about China. Um, I do like to think in general, rational minds prevail. Um, so we operate under that premise. Um, having said that, we have adjusted the portfolio to reflect um, that uncertainty. Um with respect to 2019, I think at the margin from an IT budget perspective, it's probably not as robust as 2018. Uh, 2018 had some unique characteristics. It will still be a healthy IT spending environment, relatively speaking, like if Richard and I go back and look historically. Uh, and we really believe that some of the companies that benefited last year from just this overall budget flush, which tended, which benefited the entire sector, I think that that probably doesn't persist this year. And what you see is the companies that are really enabling the you know cloud, digital transformation, software as a service; those companies will garner the dollars. So yep. we we expect to see that in the coming year. Okay, yeah, um, Richard, I was I was hoping you might be able to give a perspective on a merger and acquisition activity. I mean, I know, I know you tend to specialise in the UK um, where there is, there is quite a lot of, <laughs> you, you get a lot of... Um, well, absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, when I started my analysis company in the mid-1980s, nine out of the top 10 providers to the UK market were headquartered in the UK. Now, none of mm -hmm. them are. And by the way, it isn't just the Americans that have taken them over. It's been the Japanese in the case of Fujitsu buying ICL and in the case of Capgemini buying Hoskins. And they were the two largest um, providers in their particular fields. Now, um, and, and indeed, over the last period of time, um, the number of, of companies even quoted on the stock market in the technology sector that have been acquired has been um, enormous. I think one of the most notable and indeed, um, come on in a moment, uh, to the uh, 
uh, some of the opportunities that can be provided. And that was um, SoftBank buying Arm, um, which I think was in the portfolio at the time. Uh, but, you know, it had gone up um, a very, very considerably during the period of time up until the point of acquisition. I think that there are many of us who would have preferred it to have stayed as a UK company. But from an investment point of view, it mm. proved to be highly successful. And I think that maybe that is one of the points one can make about the UK. And that is that um, the reason why the likes of Google and Facebook have um, their uh, 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 have their operations over here is in order to look out for the very kinds of companies that they'd like to acquire. Some of these, of course, are not quoted on the stock market. Uh, things like DeepMind, and for example, which Google bought, which is a fantastic AI yeah. uh, company from the UK, was private when they bought it for what four hundred million dollars or whatever. But it's a very good example of what how those companies are using the UK as a hunting ground for really great um, ideas and talent. Yeah, and are you seeing merger and acquisition activities sort of supporting prices globally? Uh, Richard, Richard is well aware as the director. Every name that we own in the portfolio stands on its own as a standalone business. I, we don't play the game of I'm going to own a stock because I think it could get taken out because that is a road paved with lots of curves. <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, we own businesses based on their ability to grow revenues and profits on their own. Um, you know, I having worked at Oracle previously um, in, pre, earlier in my career, I can tell you, people like to buy from less vendors. Um, that's just the way, that's just a good way of doing business. So I think that, you know, companies that are solving difficult problems and have happy customers will continue to have the ability, should they want, to be acquired. And I've often said that, you know, good good businesses are bought and, uh, you know, not so good businesses are sold. So uh, uh, we like to own the ones that uh, hopefully will get bought if that's the case. Yeah. Um, I wonder if we could explore some of the themes in the portfolio today. We've, we've talked about digital yep. transformation and how that's um, impacting the software as a service sector. Um, I know you're also looking at payment systems and yeah. security. Perhaps you could talk through a couple sure, of Sure. Uh, happy to do so. I mean, security, let's start with security. We live in a world where, you know, it's no longer for bad guys in a room trying to break into Sony. It's nation state, you know, uh, using cyber warfare as a tool to, you know, drive, you know, their power across the world. So security is a persistent theme uh, that will persist, you know, ongoing. One of the challenges with security companies overall, in my opinion, is that because um, there isn't necessarily a learning curve with respect on the core technology, uh, so security security the bad guys change vectors so they might they might change how they try to get in inside a company so you just need to be really aware um, when you think about security is how relevant are the solutions that you're investing in and can they become obsolete because a lot of the companies that you know if I go back the bad guys don't don't use those modalities anymore um, but we're still you know we we believe in security and we're trying to stay on the kind of cutting edge of the companies doing that um, the second subject was on that point in particular yeah. I think that's a really good example of the difference between Mike and I we can look at something like cyber security cyber security is one of the fastest 
path to growth areas yep. within the sector. However, the execution of the individual companies has varied dramatically. <laughs> so just saying, you know, we're going to invest in cybersecurity companies is not enough. You've yep. actually got to pick the ones that can... Uh, and Mike is uh, nodding. <laughs> Could not agree more with that statement. Um, I mean, the other one was payment systems. So it's yeah. obviously a, a lot of disruption in fintech at yep. the moment and big things happening. Look, I think it's a classic example of, you, you know, I, th I think I read that millennials will be 50% of the workforce this year or next year. There is a there is an entire generation of people that don't have the brand bias that I had when I was growing up towards the established financial banks. Um, there are competitors out of nowhere that are solving those needs for that generation. Um, and if you're you know, I'll use an example in the U.S. If you're Wells Fargo, you need to be able to respond, um, which means you have to rethink how you go to market, how you market things. Um, on the payment side, uh, you know, you see young people and, uh, you know, they they look they don't use credit cards like 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 I used credit cards. Um, and therefore, you've seen the emergence of next generation you know, things like, you know, a square systems in the US, which is now in the UK, but still relatively nascent here. Um, you see companies like Venmo, which I'm, I don't know if PayPal's brought it here or not, but they will bring it here. It's just, it's a different world and the established players aren't as relevant. I think some of it, and I don't want to digress too much here, is because, you know, I grew up watching TV, therefore I grew up watching commercials. If I observe children or young people, they spend a lot of time watching on demand, you know, whether it's Netflix, YouTube. So they're not as exposed to the commercials that, you know, the reason why I kind of trust Wells Fargo or in your example, why you might trust Barclays, um, which I don't know yep. if it's yep. great. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you're, you're absolutely right. And of course, in the UK, we've got all these challenger banks that again, you know, Atom, who would, uh, yep. three or four years ago, who would just didn't exist in, in the UK. So I agree with you. Entirely. And you know, Richard, I talked to, we went and talked to uh, a large bank and they were talking about the the challenger banks mm. how quickly they roll out products yep. and products in a bank could be a, a special mortgage or a, a special deposit mm. and the legacy banks cannot literally their the stuff is in the queue at IT w trying to respond to that offer and the you know the young the nimble digital bank has already come up with a new offer yeah absolutely Okay, a final question. Um, in terms of disruption, we, uh, we've done cars, we've definitely done retail, we're probably in the process of doing uh, financial services. Um, are there any other industries that you see as particularly ripe for disruption? Let me, let me just start on that one because there are... <laughs> Too. I Thank think you. We, we've just um, we've just completed a big um, study in the UK about uh, the use of technology and AI in particular in solicitors and law practices, mm. and the potential is huge purely because they are probably the most backward in terms of using technology of any industry I've ever come across. And so I think that over the world there is a huge opportunity for that. And the second area which I particularly am very keen on is what I'll call for the moment health tech, which is everything from um, keeping uh, people in their homes whether they're old or whether they're ill, 
uh, for, by the use of you know huge ranges of technology which is available today all the way through to um, I was speaking to a cancer specialist and he was saying that um, if, you, if you ever have the choice between your scan being looked at by a robot or being looked at by a human being for goodness take say choose the robot because <laughs> it's always much more um, uh, successful and accurate so I think that across the board I think that health tech is going to be huge and by the way across the world as well yeah. uh, just on that note Richard uh, I I got a the other day someone an analyst was in talking to us and he was describing a, he was needed to use a piece of equipment um, and the piece of equipment that he used his compliance wasn't great he received a text from the equipment and I said you know he, he wasn't hooked up to a Wi-Fi they use a low latency cellular system we actually own it's one of uh, there's the software that enables it is something we're very interested in and he he got a nice text saying compliance is difficult you know please use this piece of equipment i mean to your point because proactive in healthcare equals billions upon billions of dollars yeah yeah, yeah. great okay thank you both we'll wrap up there um so thank you mike and richard for those insights today and thank you for listening do join us for the next one Thank you for listening to Bite Size. To learn more about the trust or to sign up for our monthly newsletter offering insight into the technology sector, visit allianstechnologytrust.com.